to Clear Out. I'm your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. Sahil, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's been really fun watching some of these individual performances in the NBA the last couple weeks. We recently had Giannis dropping his career high with 55 against the Wizards. We had Luka dropping 60 points, 21 rebound, triple-double um, against the New York Knicks. And we had Donovan Mitchell just recently dropping 71 points in an overtime win against the Chicago Bulls. How, how did you not leave with that one? I feel like that was... Well, that was an overtime you're, game. You're so he, he had 58 points in regulation. Um, I guess I guess Luca's game was also an overtime game. Well, but. minutes matter. They both had they both had a self tip in off of free throw misses to tie the game to send it to overtime. Luca and Donovan Mitchell, but no, the seventy one point performance was awesome. I'm so glad we have a new largest scoring performance since Kobe's eighty one. That's not Devin Booker's garbage seventy garbage time points in a loss by like thirty points. You know. So I'm very happy that Donovan Mitchell was able to do that in a win. But it was awesome to watch. He was hitting everything down the stretch. Yeah, it was it was a great, great performance. Just incredible shot making, incredible scoring. What a trade, and we we both loved it at the time. Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but what a trade that has been for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I feel like that was a pretty that was kind of a consensus, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't uh probably, yeah, probably. Which is it which is interesting because I think I mean, you know, there were three trades with huge hauls, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and DeJounte Murray probably over the summer, and um I think people I mean there are generally varying opinions across all of them. I think Rudy Gobert people were the lowest on and that's that's turned out to be correct. And we will talk about the Timberwolves uh later in our hidden gem of the week but rudy gobert wasn't playing in that game <laughs> yeah actually we're gonna start there we're gonna start with the previous hidden gem of the okay. week um and as you mentioned the minnesota timberwolves i almost said the minnesota thunder the minnesota timberwolves defeated the oklahoma city thunder on december 16th it's been a couple weeks since we recorded so that was our last hidden gem they won 112 to 110 in a thriller, Nas Reed led the way for the Wolves with 28 points. As you said, no Carl Anthony Towns, no D'Angelo Russell, and no Rudy Gobert in that one. Well, he said no Rudy Gobert, but those other two guys were also not there. Um, so a pretty impressive win from the Timberwolves. It came down to the last second. Uh, it looked like it was over, but uh, Anthony Edwards missed two free throws at the end to keep the Thunder in the game, but... Uh, they had no timeouts, so Giddy's 50-foot shot did not go in. Um, Shea was phenomenal in this game. Uh, he was hitting threes, actually, in this game. He was 3 for 5 from 3. He ended up with 35 points. And um, yeah. the, wor- the worst part about Shea's game was that attempted intentional miss at the end. Well, we were just talking about intentional misses with Luca and Donovan Mitchell before. Shea's did not hit the rim. Um, just got it off the off the backboard, but didn't hit the rim. Uh, but he had a phenomenal game. Other than that, and he's he's another one of those players that's been having a phenomenal just stretch of games. Um, you know, the Thunder aren't winning, which is probably a good thing for them. But he has looked phenomenal. I just, I mean, this is not really what we plan on talking about. But I just don't really understand, you know, why the Thunder would ever trade Shea. I mean, I know that's like come up. I, I just don't get why they would ever trade him. He's young, and if they draft someone good, you know, he'll be part of that core going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, even before he was having this career year, it did seem just kind of premature to talk about trading. No, exactly. Because exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he if he's one of the best young players in the NBA. I mean, besides like the superstars. He might be the best young player in the NBA. Yeah, he'll have a very good... I mean, I haven't looked at it, but he'll have a very good case to be an all-star this year if he's not definitely in there. And he was just... It was just awesome seeing him split defenders in this game. Um, he had a pretty step-back three in a masterful third quarter for him. He really carried the Thunder back into the game after being down quite a bit at halftime. Um, yeah, it's just been nice to see him in more... Yeah, Like, the Thunder, I mean, they haven't been good this year, but they've at least been more competitive comparatively to some previous seasons, so... It's been nice to see him uh, in playing bigger, big-ish minutes um, and just kind of showing his talents on full display because he's one of the best uh, drivers in the NBA. Just so much craft to his drives. Uh, he's 100% an all-star. I don't think you can average 31 points per game and not be an all-star. That yeah. would be kind of crazy. No, definitely. I mean, now that I think about it, yeah, there's, there's no case to have him off, off the team. Absolutely. But what, what, were your, what were some things you noticed in this game? 
I don't think we're going to spend too long on it since it was a couple weeks ago, but what, what were your, some of your quick, your quick thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, I think Nas Reed, who really wasn't playing much earlier in the rotation for the Timberwolves, was absolutely huge in this game. Um, he did it in lots of different ways. He was a great roller. He had some good post-ups, took some stuff off the dribble. Um, like, he, he had more of a handle than I gave him credit for. And I and even since that this game has happened, I've seen him inject energy into this team, hit some threes. Um, like, yeah, he, he was just huge in this game. And the funny part was Minnesota, obviously, a story in the league right now because they're not. They, they, they traded all these assets for Rudy Gobert, and it's just they're just not having a good season. And part of that's because of injuries, but part of that is just the way they've been playing, even when they've had their pieces healthy. And... I was watching this Anthony Edwards Nas Reed two man game, and it just looked more cohesive than even Reed, Edwards' other two uh, two man games with Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And you know that's that's not what you want to see, obviously, out of your um, core plays with your star players. But I thought Anthony Edwards, speaking of him, did a great job dis- distribu- uh, distributing in this game. He was just um, definitely not only passing well, but felt like he knew exactly how to use. Um, the defensive attention that he that he can leverage. Yeah, I mean that was something I noticed too. He had a seven seven assists in, the, in this game, six assists in the first half. Uh, I mean that's something I've noticed all year, and the numbers kind of bear that out. He's averaging a full assist hot more than his career average this season. So um, that's definitely an improvement he's made in uh, in his game and his decision making in general. I think's been a lot better. I mean his in his rookie year he just he didn't pass. Um, so it's nice to see him do that but I you know I, I think it's they just the the Timberwolves have been really really injured I mean it's not just it's not just Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert who haven't played much D'Angelo Russell's been in and out of the lineup um Jordan McLaughlin has a calf injury I mean those are four those are four play rotation players and, and three of your stars so um I do think it's a little bit hard to judge them but uh, you know, I mean, in this game, I, they, they pulled through, they pulled it out. I know it was against the Thunder, but the Thunder just put up 150 against the Celtics, um, it's the Celtics recently, so <laughs> not that that actually means anything, but, um, I, I thought it was a pretty just overall impressive performance from, from the Timberwolves to, to win this game. I think the story for me from this game, though, was on the other end, on the other side with the Thunder. Um, it was Eugene Omeryui, is that how you pronounce his name? Um, I mean, he is... He played super well in this game. He had 14 points. He was 6 for 8 from the field. Um, he hasn't played much since, really. But in this game, he was 6 for 8 from the field. He made a 3. Uh, he was constantly making himself available. He had a nice dunk on the ba- along the baseline. He had 3 steals as well. I mean, he was pretty active on defense. So uh, I was really impressed with him. And, and Josh Giddy too, was also... Uh, I mean, he, he did what he did his Josh Giddy thing, but some of his assists, I just am always impressed just, with. When I some dimes that could have been assists too. He had some yeah. really good passes that that weren't able to be paid off. Loose yeah. with the ball at times in transition, made, made a couple mistakes, but he had a big spin move uh, at the end in the clutch. Um, yeah, I, I like Omarui. Uh, he, he was in the right spots. Excuse me if my if I didn't pronounce that right, but um, he was he was he had a very nice cut and slam in the first half. Um, he. Uh, also had a catch-and-shoot three, so showing a little bit of everything. We'll see. We'll have to track his uh, career moving forward. He looks like an interesting player. Jalen Williams, Jalen with an E. The Thunder have two Jalen Williams, and they're both rookies, which is one of the most confusing things in the league. But this Jalen Williams, he had a, a lot of pop in this game. He had a nice dunk. Um, just his athleticism really jumps off the screen at times. Um, had a couple nice step-back Jays, too, in this game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. He, he looks like a player going forward for them. Yeah, Aaron Wiggins also had a nice game. He had 14 points as well, along with Omer Yui. I thought this was going to be a big Poku game after the first quarter, but it wasn't. Uh, he had five points in the first quarter, ended up with nine. Um, it was a fun game, though. Another, you know, if you listen to Clear Out and you watch our Hidden Gems of the Week, chances are it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a fun and exciting game. I mean, we've we've been kind of uh, knocking this this segment out of the park in terms of picking our picking our game so yeah uh, we'll I pick mean, another one later where else how often can you watch mike muscala hitting fading threes to beat the buzzer at the end of the first quarter that's that, that that's it's great it's just absolutely great stuff um shay <laughs> exciting basketball is exciting basketball it doesn't matter who's playing <laughs> shay like shay's ability to just stop and start too and just kind of 
the way he can change his pace, he's really up there with Luca in terms of just the way he can dictate a possession, a, a possession with the way he, um, he changes his speed going to the basket. Um, you know, for as much as is being made about three point shooting, and obviously, you know, we've we've we started to go not the other way a little bit, but uh, we'll talk about a team, the Nets later, who are having a lot of success in the mid range, but. Um, there are so many just elite guards that are elite finishers around the rim. I mean, we'll talk about, uh, I mean, two, we'll talk about Kyrie, we'll talk about De'Aaron Fox, Shea is awesome, Jaws is awesome around the rim, and, I mean, and Luca too. Um, I, I'm sure I'm missing people, but, I mean, those guys are so good uh, in the paint and in the mid-range, uh, so it's really cool. It's really cool to see that, and Shea, I mean, watching the Thunder is worth it just to watch Shea. Yeah, um, I thought Jaden McDaniels had a pretty good game as well for, for the Wolves. He makes a lot of little plays, and he's had an uptick in efficiency this year. This, these notes are old since uh, we were planning on recording a while ago, but uh, he was shooting 36% from three, um, which he will definitely take if he can sustain that. That was always a, a, a weak point in his game. I'm not sure where he's at at the moment, but um, Bryn Forbes is a player who cannot get a shot in this, this season, and I don't think shot well in this in game either. If Bryn Forbes is shooting 25% from you for three, I don't know what what much else he's doing. So that's unfortunate. Hopefully he can get that number up, um, especially as we go um, down the home stretch in this season. Um, Jaden McDaniels is shooting 35%. Oh, okay. sorry, 38% from three. Wow. Now. Yeah, um, so, yeah, he's, he's had a couple of, of good games. And I believe Bryn Forbes has actually improved as well. I think I checked again today. I think he's still 25% from three. But maybe, oh, maybe he's, he's had 20. some good games recently. He is at 25%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's bad. Especially with everything else he does not give you <laughs> as, as a player. Um, but, yeah, exciting game. We'll pick another hidden gem of the week in uh, a bit. But first, we're going to talk about two teams today. We're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and the Sacramento Kings. Let's start with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets have been on an incredible stretch, a tear. They're on a, currently on a 12-game winning streak at the time of recording. They're second in the East, uh, half a game behind Boston at 25-12. and 12. And I got to say, you know, my, my prediction of them finishing above the Cavs preseason is looking pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's looking very good. Uh and just to be clear, like just I, I did not want to. I wasn't trying to hate on the Cavs. My point was, I think Brooklyn is being really underrated. And if you just look at the team, it's a good team with good players and a deep rotation. And I think like we we've seen that. I mean, it's they're just they're a good team with two of the elite scorers in NBA history. Yeah, we, we our our good friend actually and avid listener Samir actually saw the Nets beat the Cavs in Cleveland recently. Oh, so. true. Yeah, that goes well for your point. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, where, where do you start? Where, I mean, where do you want to start? Well, with I mean, you team? mentioned I mean, you mentioned they beat Cleveland. They also they destroyed Milwaukee. They destroyed Golden State, which I guess is not that big of a deal at this point. Although <laughs> they've been a little better last week, yeah. Yeah, they have been true, but uh, I mean, they've had some big wins in this stretch. Um, where do you start? I think you you start with the MVP candidate on the team. You start with Kevin Durant, and he is having the an incredible season and um zach lowe talked about the nets on on his podcast recently uh he uh, i think it, it was about a week ago um and he was talking about how you know we shouldn't take katie for granted not because of how amazing he is but just about where we were just three and a half years ago during his when he got hurt in the finals and I mean, that's so true. I I genuinely always thought he would get back to where he was before the injury, but I guess, you know, you really, I mean, he's he's an older player, so that's not something I should have t- taken for granted. Um, but he is just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, he's shooting 50, I think 55% from mid-range, which is insane. Six, 60, when it last time 60, I checked. 60% yeah. from mid-range, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's 55% from the field with most of his shots coming from the mid-range, right. which is just crazy i don't know if i i would have to look i don't know if that's ever happened like throughout the course of a season 59 percent on long twos as well i mean that's that, crazy that makes no sense <laughs> that, I, that's insane so he's actually shooting less than his career from three so if he got that up then the efficiency gets like mind-blowing it already is but that that's where he could improve a little bit if at all well they year. have four <laughs> players shooting above 50 percent for mid-range no other team has two they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, and TJ Warren all shooting above 50%. TJ Warren, you know, hasn't played much. Neither has Seth. 
Um, and I guess neither is Kyrie, but I mean, it's still impressive that those guys are, uh, are, are shooting that well. But I mean, Kevin Durant, man, he has been just phenomenal. No one, uh, no one else in the NBA has what he has in terms of getting the, sh- the looks he can get with, with the ease he can get them. Uh, I mean, I think I, I, the player who comes closest is probably just in terms of release point is like Jason Tatum, but even then it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, I mean, 60% on mid-rangers, when, considering how many he takes, is just absolutely ridiculous. And he's commanding so much attention this year. I think he's having one of his best defensive seasons in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, absolute MVP candidate. Um, and then, when, you know, when, you're, when you're sending all this defensive attention at Kevin Durant, you have one of the best guys attacking closeouts I've ever seen in Kyrie Irving, who's having uh, such an efficient season and having huge fourth quarters oftentimes for this team to really put teams away or get the Nets back in the game. Um, he's been ridiculous, uh, obviously, has been shameful off the court this season, but since he's come back, uh, they they have been nearly unstoppable. In, this, in the last two weeks, they're first on defense and first in offense, um, currently for the season, third in offense, ninth in defense, third in net rating. Um, I mean, there's a lot of factors here, but those two guys, I mean, that's what that's the first thing you're going to think of if you're, if, you're, if you're about to match up with them in a series. Like, those two guys give you a chance to win any single game. Yeah, I mean, they have, just going back to Kevin Durant, you know, I, I, just watching the last couple of games, I noticed that um, just when defending Kevin Durant, Teams have been overplaying the dribble handoff, which makes sense. You don't want to give him that easy, either three-pointer or mid-range shot. And he's just been he's been cutting really well backdoor to get some really easy baskets too. And I think that's also really helped him this season. Um, I mean, it, it just speaks to how well he's playing. I mean, that's something you're always going to do with Kevin Durant, but I just thought that was interesting that they were that they were uh, doing that. And I think I think that just kind of speaks to how connected this team is playing offensively and defensively. Under uh, Jacqueline, I mean, like, I, we didn't even mention that this has all happened since they fired their head coach, Steve Nash, um, yes. and, hi- and they hired one midseason and they're second in the East. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyrie, I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on him because, you know, we don't really like talking about him, but he has been uh, phenomenal these last few games uh, on the court. So, uh, or these last few, we, um, I guess, well, these last, Probably like, 20 games. Now, yeah, yeah, these last, like, 20 games. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it's not just those two. I mean, it really is not just those two. Um, those two obviously are a huge, huge part of what the Nets are doing, but the rest of the team is shooting the lights out of the ball. Um, you know, uh, so I, I, I mean, it's, I've been really impressed with them. Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant have now played more minutes together than James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving did in Brooklyn. Oh my god, that's a crazy good stat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's promising. Um, that's, it's insane. I just want to throw it in there because, like, that's crazy. No, I mean, this has been a well-oiled offensive machine on the court. You, you mentioned some of those easy looks they're able to get because of the attention uh, that their superstars require. You'll see sometimes um, them run the split action where, like, Claxton will get the ball in the post and then KD and Kyrie screen for each other. That's just mm-hmm. really hard to guard. And we mentioned KD getting all that defensive attention. He's been so good in pick and roll. Um, well, you know, if you blitz Kevin Durant or play high at the level of the screen, Claxton's been making really good reads on the short roll. And Claxton's having a career year absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, he's offensively just known how to get to his spots gotten to his moves, um, really good at just kind of getting to a power dribble and just kind of physical, physicaling his way to a layup, if that's a word. Um, and he's just been key. And the fact that they've been good um, uh, in the lineups with Simmons and Claxton on the court is not just a testament to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but also what Claxton's been able to do offensively. Um, because, you know, those lineups are part of the reason that they've been able to sustain not just an average defense in this winning stretch, but a great defense. So uh, he's been great. I mean, not to mention defensively what he can do. He's so versatile. He can switch and guard smaller guys, can swallow up centers. Just good at staying in front of ball handlers. And um, I really like him playing high at the level of the screen too. Just really, uh, I I think a breakout player. I'm not sure how much the numbers actually say it. They definitely do in terms of efficiency. He's been very efficient this year. But 
Um, yeah, Cla- Nick's Claxon's just been everywhere and uh, like one of the more improved players, at least via the eye test to me this season. Yeah, I mean, it's something I really like is, is I think just they, they can be really up-tempo. Claxon sets picks very early in the shot clock, like when they're coming up the court, which I think has really helped them um, in pseudo-transition. Not really transition, but in, in like pseudo-transition. Um, I, I think before we talk about the... I, I want to talk about the team defense as a whole because I think what they're doing is really interesting. Um, but uh, before we talk about that on offense, I think what's been really great for them is they just have a lot of wings who are tall and can shoot and pass, which is just perfect for Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. I mean, Royce O'Neal's averaging four assists this season. I know. Where, where did that come crazy. from? I have, well, I, you know, <laughs> playing with these two guys probably helps. But, for sure. uh, I mean... He's been awesome. Um, uh, uh, Yuta Watanabe has been awesome, too, um, in terms of passing and shooting. Obviously, we know how good Ben Simmons can pass, especially in transition. Joe Harris is getting better um, and getting more integrated into the lineup. TJ Warren, as well, has been, um, you know, just a solid player um, for them. And I I, I do think... um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest differences this season between previous, the or last season in particular, is that Patty Mills and uh, Kyrie Irving don't really need to play together much because they have all these wings, Yeah, um, which does help on defense, and Seth Curry as well. Like they, they don't need to have two of those guys out there at all times. They just have a lot of flexibility when it comes to their lineups. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how they match up against potentially Philly and Milwaukee in the playoffs with... with Giannis and Embiid but like you said Claxton's been playing really well but uh, on offense is there anything I mean let's talk about their offense as a whole first um I I mean I mean we were already pretty deep into talking about them but before her because I do want to talk about their team defense as a whole rather than the individual players um what are some other things on offense that you've been seeing that that has impressed you or that you think have has contributed to this run of form? Well, I think one of the most fun players to watch this year has been Yuta Watanabe, and I think his shooting is crazy, but he's also been able to attack I don't think it's sustainable, by the way. And make the right play. You don't just because just of the way his release looks, kind of? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm biased. Maybe you're biased against lefties. I, I feel like everyone says lefty shooting is, isn't sustainable. I mean, I mean not, not because of that, but it just feels like left... Maybe since it looks less relatable to you. Think he can shoot 43%. No, no, no. I mean, not really. I mean, I, but I think he can be a plus shooter sure. <laughs> for, 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 the, for his career, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, I maybe no he idea. can be. We'll, maybe, we'll have to wait. Maybe he can be. He's a young player. But he looks like just oh, no, like... no, he's not young. He's 28. Yeah. Well, he's he's still getting minutes, though. Like, early minutes in, in his career. I mean, not sure. early, but he, he's bounced around the league. But it, it's, it's good to see him... Uh, he didn't really play much in Washington, from what I remember. Yeah, no, I mean, th- this is definitely the most defined role it feels like he's had, in the, and he's just playing a huge role offensively, and like I said, it's not just the shooting, but he's been able to leverage that into attacking closeouts, get some dunks. Um, Royce O'Neal, like you said, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, so important defensively, but offensively, super important. The shooting's been there, like you said, the passing's been there, he can even run a couple of pick and rolls. Um, he gets a shot off quick. Um, such a good fit in lineups with star players, but... And really an underrated trade at the time. Like, at the time, it was like, all this KD asks to fire Sean Marks and Steve Nash, and then it's like, it felt like it was happening simultaneously that they trade a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal. It's like, what? (laughs) But now it looks very smart, and like, it made sense. Um, You know, TJ Warren, like, he's looked really good to me um, since he's come back from injury. Like, you love TJ Warren, but the turnaround jumpers, the floaters, just a really crafty offensive game. I love T- Like you said, I love TJ Warren. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He has been for like five years now. Yeah. And I mean, I remember saying this. In that feels pre- like how long it's been since he's played a game. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. But um, I, I remember saying it in the preseason, like this is just such a nice move for them um, uh, offensively. Uh, I mean, Ben Simmons... Is interesting. It seems like he's converting around the rim when I've seen him shoot. I actually I don't have his career high on two point percentage, but okay. career low volume, which p- passes all. Well, yeah, yeah that's what it looks like. <laughs> um, I, I don't really know what to make of him uh, on offense. Um, I, I, I think I, 
I think it's from a Ben Simmons perspective, it's concerning that he's not able to get to the line, not able to get free throws, not doesn't want to look at the basket as much. But I think it's been good for their offense that he's just been kind of screening and passing and getting out in transition. Well, we thought that he would. He many well, a lot of people basically said that they didn't think he would uh, do that. Just just do that role, right? In in Philadelphia, people would always be like, "Oh, well, if he could just be like Draymond Green, like." it would be great. Um, he's not that right now, but I'm just saying, like, I, I do think this is a good, I think, start for him to getting back to, or hopefully getting for him, but getting back to where he can be on offense in terms of being a facilitator and being not necessarily a focal point, but just a force on offense. Cause he was, I mean, he was really difficult to guard in Philadelphia early in his career. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause it almost feels like because that front court, it's not really your front court because I guess Simmons is labeled a point guard and, and Kitty's. But with Simmons and Claxton, you've got two non shooters in your starting lineup. And I think that's allowed Ben Simmons to be a bit more creative in the way he cuts screens and passes because Claxton's often resigned to being the roller or in the dunker spot. So Simmons can't just do the thing he did in Philly where he would just stand in the dunker spot and do mm-hmm. nothing. So, I, so in, in a way, I feel like that's made him. Uh, kind of have to vary his game more offensively. And it's not just him into the dunker spot anymore like it used to be, which I think is a good thing. But he, again, the playoffs, it's a cliche, but like people say if they're more about teams' weaknesses and then this team's weaknesses, it could come down to like the fact that you have two non-shooters in this lineup that allows you to survive defensively. And really, even during this stretch, you, they still can't really get a rebound. They don't get rebounds. So it's interesting. Their best defensive lineup, um, at least in terms of you know op- opponents' efficiency, um, is actually without Ben Simmons on the court. Um, it's Joe Harris in there with Kevin Durant, Claxton, um, and Kyrie. So I, I that that is interesting to me. Um, but I I do I think the Nets more than anyone that I've been watching recently. I mean, their use of pin downs just to get people open has been really impressive to me. I mean, it, it, it is just having two elite one-on-one scorers, I think, just makes everything so much easier for the rest of the team. I mean, that's not really a hot take or anything. But, um, I mean, it it's just phenomenal to watch. I don't really know what else to say about their offense. Besides- I mean, their offensive performance against San Antonio the other night... I mean that's got to be legal in some states. That was Mbappe was on the was on the was on the was sitting courtside, and I have to think that was for him. That and was, Hakimi, that was crazy. don't forget Hakimi. Yeah, sorry, Hakimi, World Cup semifinalist Hakimi. Yeah, uh, both teammates <laughs> at PSG. Um, anything else on their offense? Um, yeah, I I don't think specifically. Yeah, I mean Seth, Seth Curry's just just fun to watch. I mean, you know, he he's had varying games, but. Like he can get you buckets in a in a pinch. Obviously, his shooting is like different than other type of shooting. Even just the way he can get his shots off. Uh, but I I, th- I think they they they're gonna have enough firepower where they're gonna be able to score on any team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And and the lineups I mentioned. So just to give the actual numbers on this. So um, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton have played four hundred twenty two possessions together on the court, um, and. Their opponent's points per 100 possessions is 113 points. The lineup with Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Claxton in 241 possessions, so only about half, or a little bit more than half of of the possessions as the other, uh, or as their quote-unquote best lineup, they're giving up 96.3 points per 100 possessions. Jesus. So that's, I mean, that's a full, what, 17-point difference. Their second-best defensive um, lineup is with uh, and uh, is with Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton, um, and that's the third most played lineup they've had too. So I, I I wonder if Ben Simmons will be in the crunch time lineup like in the playoffs. I think it might be Kyrie, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton. I a hundred percent comes down to who they're playing against, um, but I do think that's something to track going forward. And I think it's just nice that that doesn't necessarily... It feels like that doesn't really need to be a story anymore just because of how many... What's going on in Brooklyn and how many weapons there are. I just don't... And, 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 and I mean, the relinquished pressure in terms of usage on Ben Simmons. I, I, I think he's providing so much defensively this year and he's he's slowly getting there, but I don't think there's... 
necessary. I mean, there is pressure, I think, for him to be important in the playoffs just because, you know, he's he's a plus defender who might have to play nominally at the five in some lineups. But um, is he currently a plus defender? I think he's been good on defense this season. Have you? You, you think he's been? No, no, no. I, I don't. I just. I guess I. I haven't really noticed Ben Simmons. I wasn't really paying attention to Ben Simmons when I was watching them. Um. I or I guess like now I'm that I'm thinking about it. I wasn't really paying attention to him on defense. But maybe that's that's probably a good thing that I didn't notice him. Yeah. No. I think he's been good defensively. I mean, obviously, just in terms of like the variety of players he's able to guard. He. I think he is one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA. Um. Maybe less like, yeah. It does feel like he's had less like flashy defensive plays. Like I don't, like I'd be interested to see like his steal and block percentage for this season. But um, I, I, I found him, I found it to be very good defensively, and I think I mm-hmm. think he's definitely a glue guy there. Um, especially when they're like, especially when they're playing two of those small guys, whether it be like Kyrie and Seth or Kyrie and Patty Mills. I think he's he has to do some work uh, when his perimeter players get beaten off the dribble and he does a good job of cleaning up stuff there yeah yeah and i think so moving to their defense i think they have one of the more interesting schemes in the nba i mean we've seen how powerful and how effective switching has been in the nba the last couple of years especially with the celtics last year uh and and this year you mentioned during this recent stretch they're they're what they're first on defense is that what you said in the last two weeks they're first on both ends yeah Uh, Okay, so the first on both ends. I think over the last 20 games, they're third, um, okay. which is the number I have. But, I mean, still, no matter what, that's impressive. Um, basically, what they do is they switch all on-ball screens, or all on-ball screens that make contact. I mean, if it's, like, one of those... Um, ghost screens. Yeah, ghost screens. Yeah, they won't switch. Um, and then they switch all like-for-like off-ball screens. So, um, if they're uh, if their guards are setting off-ball screens, they'll switch. But um, if, you know, if, if, if Kyrie's man is uh, screening uh, Claxton's man off ball, which I don't, I mean, that wouldn't really happen, but just for, just for as an example, um, they would not switch in right. that situation off ball. Whereas uh, the Celtics, they, regardless of if there's contact made on the screen, they will switch all the time. So that's just a, a slight difference between them and the Celtics. Um and then, you know, after they switch, Kyrie will immediately tag whoever's in the paint closest to him and go to the weakest defense or weakest offensive player on the perimeter. And I, they've been executing that really, really well. That's not easy to execute. No, it requires uh, a ton of communication. Yeah, it, re- it requires a, co- a ton of communication. Um, I was watching the Nets-Bucks games from recently, and Javon Carter and Brooke uh, Lopez ran a pick and roll. Kyrie was switched onto Lopez because they made contact, so they switched. And then as Lopez was rolling, Kyrie tagged KD. KD went over to Brooke. Royce O'Neal slid from the other side to Giannis. And then Kyrie went to Grayson Allen on the perimeter. So, I mean, that is really effective, can be really effective in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, so that that I, I, that was really fascinating to me. And just that particular example, I think, just illustrates how effective that can be because you think, okay, you've got Brooke on, on Kyrie. That's a win in this scenario. But... The defense is so connected and communicating that they're able to mitigate those plays. And Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, that's awesome. Because, I mean, I think as a defense, what you're trying to do at this level is just not give the opposition automatics, right? Mm -hmm. Don't don't just give this switch up for no reason and then let your weakest defender on their strongest offensive player, um, you know, switch if you have to, if they make a hard enough screen that, you know, you can't, that it's going to affect your coverage, but... Like you said, communicate well such that you're not just letting the offense do exactly what they want against you and you're taking back some of that authority and how right. possession goes. Right, and, and there are obviously ways to play around it, and I think teams will obviously plan for it in the playoffs. It also does lead to a lot of the rebounding issues. Um, mm. That's that's a big reason why they um, they give up a lot of second chance, point, second chance points and they don't do well uh, uh, rebounding the ball. I mean, they also just are... I mean, they don't really have the players to be a great rebounding team. Um, but, it, you know, it, it hasn't really hurt them in, in this stretch. So, um, yeah. I did, what, what have you noticed on the defense? Besides, I mean, you mentioned Claxton. I think uh, he's been he's held his own on, his per, on the perimeter, like you said, which has been really impressive. Um, I also think the team does a really good job of cutting passing lanes. Again, in, in, in the Bucks game, uh, just loading gaps when 
uh, yeah, just loading gaps and, and creating a wall for Giannis, or, I mean, in general, they kind of load those gaps and, and, and are active in those passing lanes. And that really, that comes again down to them having, um, you know, players like Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, uh, even like even Joe Harris and TJ Warren, who aren't great defenders, but who are just big and active wings. Yeah, it feels like they they. It feels like you watch a game and it doesn't feel like their opponents are getting a lot of open shots. It doesn't feel like they're forced into rotation, and probably a lot of that starts with the initial communication on screens, like you're talking about. I think um, Kevin Durant, like I said, I think is having one of his best seasons defensively. It just feels like he's everywhere. Um, the lineups where you have Kevin Durant at the five nominally and Simmons as the tallest or next tallest player are outscoring their opponents by about 18 points per 100 possessions. So really, really good. And that's a look that, like I said, you might have to go to in the playoffs. But Simmons in those lineups is going to be forced to probably have to do something because that's how the playoffs work. Um, and yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I've thought Simmons, he, he's been able to, to make some... Uh, take out some star players in some games. I think Royce O'Neal's been great in terms of screen navigation. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Claxton's physicality has been really important on defense. And yeah, I, like you said, I think, so if you can limit, if you can limit, you know, you're not going to be able to um, limit everything. And I think they do give up a lot of shots at the rim, but they don't give up many threes, which is good. And I think kind of, aligns with what I'm saying about how they kind of stay out of rotation and aren't caught overhelping too much. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think the rebounding is uh, is an Achilles heel. I think you um, you talked about that a little bit, and I think you talked about the potential of how they would match up against Philly or Milwaukee in the playoffs, and I think that could be that, that could be a major – those could be major numbers to watch in a playoff series. Absolutely. Anything else on the Nets before we move on to the Kings? Um, not much. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, just to kind of highlight their offense, they're shooting literally top four in every area on the court. And you can't even say it's fluky. You can't with, with this type of offensive talent. Like, they could have 18 seconds of just garbage in an offensive possession and, and it won't matter. Like, I, I remember the other day I was watching KD against the Hornets. They had three seconds left, inbound of the ball, KD runner, like, from, like, 19 feet is in. Just crazy. Um, so, yeah, they've been super fun to watch and... Uh, it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when they slow down and what do they look like when they're a little more slowed down? What does their defense look like? Will it, was it going to, is it average? Is it top 10? Cause we know their offense is legit. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on all that stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. Those are the questions we'll have come the playoffs because, you know, frankly, the Cel- uh, a lot of the other teams like, or not a lot of the other teams, but the Celtics and the Bucks, um, they, at least the Bucks, uh, they they really don't play as hard on defense as the Nets are <laughs> during the regular season. Um, so I mean, if the Nets have continue to play like this in the playoffs, obviously, I mean they are a force to be reckoned with, and and very well could come out of the East. Yeah, huge credit to Jacques Vaughn as well, which we we alluded to. But I mean, it's there was so much off court stuff going on with this team and and the basketball wasn't looking great and they have just completely turned around so great stuff there well yeah i mean i think it's just nice that in the nba now that it feels like there's so much young coaching talent being given opportunities whereas in the past it was just a bunch of mediocre coaches bouncing around so i agree (laughs) i I really really like that for the nba um all right so let's talk about the sacramento kings um so the kings are currently um uh fifth in the west with a 20 and 16 record i saw i apologize for the pause there my computer froze (laughs) (laughs) they are currently uh fifth in the west with a 20 and 16 record they're ahead of the suns warriors and clippers um which is fascinating just you know the, the west is wild uh right now but the kings are playing super well and you also had a really nice prediction early uh, before the season um, about the Kings. Well, I might have been too pessimistic. Well, yeah, you said they would yeah. get destroyed in the play-in. Yeah, and finish 10th specifically, because I wanted to be specific since last year my specific predictions were not specific enough. I should have just said... They'll be good. They'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's working. It's what they are doing is uh, working. Um, 
and Mike Brown has has come over and brought in a lot of, you know, a lot of the good parts of the. Well, I mean, the Warrior system is good, but they, basically, he's 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 brought in the Warrior system and made it work in uh, Sacramento. Um, I mentioned earlier in the season that uh, Deer and Fox, I feel like, has taken another step, and I, I still think that's true. Uh, Sabonis has, you know, started to or not started to, but has gelled really well. Kevin Herter is, I think, one of the more underrated pickups just in the last couple of years for for any team. Um, and I cannot believe that the Hawks let him go because uh, he would really help that. He'd be really he helping them right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've just I've been really impressed with the team. Um, I think something that I I hadn't considered, even though Demo, you know Sabonis is shooting forty two percent from three right now, um, I you know I don't think that's going to sustain at all. Um, but I do think even even regardless of his shooting, I, he is able. Well, I really he's an elite screen setter. He's such a good passer as a big man, and you know that's a thing that's really valuable now, and people look for is is passing in a big man. Um, but I just really enjoy that because of his passing ability, he's able to pull out uh, his defender from from the paint, even if they don't necessarily fear, fear his shooting. I mean, that's something that I was noticing um, when I was watching them. Uh, but that's just something I really like about his game. What have you seen uh, from the Kings that you've enjoyed? Yeah, I think... I mean, yeah, just to build on that a little bit, I think I think he has, like, a lot of counters for, for, his, for his lack of shooting, actually. Like... There's, there's what you said, his passing, he's able to survey, look over the defense, find cutting players. There's his willingness to screen, which is like a great Warriors principle, where if no one's guarding Draymond Green, well, if you're if you sag way off of him, then you're taking a defender out of the play if you screen for right. Kevin Horder, well, for example. I have this written down, Sabonis equals Draymond on offense. And like, that's kind of, I mean, he just plays a very similar role to Draymond, except he can score. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of the same concepts there. and Like you said, the Mike Brown connection, that makes sense. Um, and, and, and I just think straight up, if you leave Sabonis too much space, like he can just kind of dribble and euro his way into like a decent shot or a foul. So he has that just kind of off the dribble game too. Uh, and the, the way he's pushed the pace, another Warriors concept. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I haven't, I didn't think about that much while I'm watching, but it really is there. He's really pushes the pace for them in transition. Um, which is like, not always what you think of Sabonis. Cause like, if you think about Sabonis and you're thinking like Jokic, light, half court, maestro in the post kind of playmaking, but he like really like just gets, he rebounds the ball on one end and just pushes it. He runs. It. Yeah, he runs and then gets into, there's one possession specifically in a game recently where Sabonis got the rebound, um, uh, pushed it immediately and got Herder into a handoff action for a transition three. And I feel like that just sums up a lot of what the Kings are doing right now. Um, he... Kevin Herter is leading the league in points off triple handoffs, which, I mean, you know, passes the eye test. The way he can shoot on the move, off the dribble, off the catch, his pick-and-roll game has been really good, too, with Sabonis. Um, always been a player I've been a fan of. Like, really one of my—he's he, been one of my favorite players to watch over the last couple of years. I just think he projected really well, and now we're starting to see that in reality. But he's having a career year in Sacramento, no question about it. Um, yeah, he's shooting 43% from three. Um I mean, he'll he'll also run he'll also run picks for for Deer and Fox as well. Uh, his off ball movement really reminds me of Steph, honestly. Um, and the off ball screens they set for him as well. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be too much like, oh, they're basically doing what the Warriors do. But I mean, it just it really does remind me of the Warriors, which, like you said, makes sense. It's Mike Brown; he was an assistant there. But, Harrison Barnes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and they have Harrison Barnes. Um, but his off his off ball movement really is really impressive to me, and he's just he always is is moving to get open, and the entire team honestly is constantly moving. Um, I've been really impressed with Malik Monk. Um, Malik Monk and Sabonis are both in the ninety eighth percentile for assist percentage. I mean, Monk's passing has been really really impressive. He's a really nice uh, off ball mover and slasher, um, and a really good on ball playmaker. Like I said. Uh, lineups with Fox, Monk, Her- Herder, um, Harrison Barnes, and Sabonis are scoring 144 points per 100 possessions. Uh, yeah, and, and I saw it, that too, yeah. And like that's, I mean, that's their movement off the ball. Um, that's their just elite screen and roll game with Fox and, and Sabonis. Fox is shooting 75% at the rim, which is the best in the league. 
I mean, for a guard that's six, what, six three, six two, that's insane. I mean, and uh, he's also shooting forty nine percent from mid range, uh, which also passes the eye test. He's he's phenomenal. Fifty one percent after last night, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So he he hit a, some huge shots last night against the Jazz in crunch time. Yeah, um, he hit and hit the game winning layup. He was he's 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 been awesome in crunch time in some games this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, Keegan Murray's a really exciting um, young player when they have. Uh, Barnes and Murray on the floor together. They're only giving up 107 points per 100 possessions while scoring 118 points per 100 possessions. So not quite 144 points, but uh, that's a really nice differential that they have there. And that five-man group that you were mentioning before, Sabonis, Herder, Barnes, Fox, and Monk, that, it's not like a negligible lo- number of possessions. That, that no, not, no, not at like, all. That's like the third most played lineup or something like that. No. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not correct, but it's definitely a lineup that's substantial. Um, Kevin Herter's offensive efficiency, like you said... 69 or 50 or sorry you said 42 percent from three but he's also shooting 51 percent from mid-range and 69 percent at the rim he doesn't really get to the rim that much and that's what stops him from kind of getting into that next tier of guys along with maybe he could just up his just like overall three-point volume a little bit more but he's been efficient from all over the court kind of contributing to that career year i've been talking about it and yeah malik monk i've been impressed with him too <laughs> i just like the zip he plays with i think his game with Sabonis really works just really important scoring off the bench um He's been he's been really, really fun to watch. Yeah, uh, going into last night, I don't know if it's changed. They had the second most bench points in the NBA. The Kings did, um, and just speaking to their activity off ball, they scored the second most points per, per possession off of cuts in the NBA, which I think is is really interesting. And I mean, like, you can kind of see it when when Monk and Sabonis have the ball. Fox, you know, he he can score one on one, and he's also just an elite cutter um, as well. And, you know, off the bench, they have some really nice players. They have uh, Davian Mitchell, who is still learning, but um, is a good defender. They have Rashawn Holmes, who I think is a really nice piece as well. Um, Trey Lyles has had some big games this year. So, um, they, I mean, they have pieces besides the main guys we've been talking about. So, really, really exciting team. Second most bench points, like I said, and the third most efficient bench as well. Um, so... And I feel like a lot of credit has to go to Sabonis for that. I feel like he's able to just elevate average ball handlers and shooters around him. And they, like you said, they have, they have some above average yeah. of those two. But the, his playmaking and footwork, his rebounding is super important. The, the the Kings do almost nothing well defensively on in terms of the numbers except for rebounding. And I think that that's a credit to Sabonis. Although in a, in a recent game against the Grizzlies, Stephen Adams did kind of dominate the offensive glass. I think he had 13 offensive rebounds in that game, which was... Uh, uh, tough look for Sabonis, but he is generally a good defensive rebounder. Um, and Rashawn Holmes, like you were saying, um, he I love him as just an energy guy, gets the crowd into it, really can get vertical defensively against rim attackers, which is a nice change from what Sabonis is normally doing on that end. Um, yeah, I really wish Davion Mitchell could shoot. I just feel like... <laughs> I, I, I hope that comes. I hope that comes. It just He shows those defensive flashes. He's playing less this year, finishing better at the rim by a significant amount. Um shooting worse on threes. He's overall just more efficient because he's, you know, his volume's down, but threw a really nice lob to Malik Monk the other day. I, I'm, I'm really booting for him to get that three-point percentage up because that could be huge for them. Um, I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, we've seen it happen before. Yeah. I mean, Sabonis, you know, I think a lot of people are killing the Kings for the trade. Just, I mean, they traded Halliburton, which, you know, if we'll never know if they could have gotten Sabonis for something else, but... Um, you know, it's kind of worked out for both teams. I think people forget that Sabonis is only 26. Um, and, I mean, he's just a really, really good player and can still continue to improve. But I do think having him as your five just give, gives you a ceiling that I think is um, really difficult to get around. Because he's not quite... He's, he's not quite big enough or... I mean, I don't want to use, like, cliches, but, like, powerful or just, like, strong enough in the post... Um, in terms of being a defender, uh, I don't think that really matters on offense. If you can, if you can score, you can score. But uh, as, as a defender, he's not, um, he's not a bit, what I'm trying to say he's is he's a terrible rip protector. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a terrible <laughs> rip protector. Uh, he's a bad rip rim protector, but he's also not like a small ball five, um, that can switch and, yeah. uh, be a good defender in that way. So I think like that just inherently gives you a ceiling. I mean, it's kind of like Zion, right? Except... You can't really play a five next to him. I mean, you can. You can play with Sean Holmes with him, but I don't know. It, it just creates... We saw a little bit of that story with, yeah, in Indiana. Exactly, with Miles Turner, yeah. 
Uh, and Miles Turner, you would think, would be the perfect five that you can play with 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 Demonis Monis. But um, so I mean, it'll be you know, if the Kings do make the playoffs, I you know, they have the longest playoff drought in uh, in American sports in major American sports. The Jets will overtake them if if uh, they make the playoffs this season. So uh, I am rooting for them to make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, I, I will definitely be interested to see how um, their defense holds up with, with Sabonis as their five. Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good point. And I think you were mentioning that he's had some fluky three-point shooting, which is true, but he's still only well, I didn't say fluky. I just well, said he's well, shooting 42%. You, no, you said, well, you, well, you said... I, I don't think almost, that will sustain. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not use the word fluke. But, but I mean, while that is true, he's still only making 0.5 three pointers a game. So right, right. that it's not really like actually contributing to his season that much in a way that's uh, you know uh, substantial. Um, I you know I would like to see De'Aaron Fox get to the rim more. He's only in the 45th percentile for guards in terms of rim attempts, but I feel like that could easily be higher for him. He's been amazing in the mid range for him. Like we said, 51% on the year. And that's an important shot for him. And But I feel like he could marry it a little bit better with his rim attacking from his uh, from earlier in his career. Because I feel like he can get even more easy finishes and contact at the rim. He's He's gotten better at getting to the line, but he can get there even more. Um, he can sprint and he can fly. And I feel like if you just really... He, he, there's a chance for him to really marry that mid-range game beautifully with the, the rim, and he just hasn't lived there as much sure. as I could see him there. But he is shooting, like I said, 75% of the rim. He's shooting well from... He's shooting really well from three-point this season. Well, not really well, but he's shooting better... Um, he's shooting okay from three-point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, serviceable. Yeah, exactly. Make, make, make some defenders go under Exactly, yeah. and he's getting to the line more than he has previously in his career, and I think that might be, you know taking away from his rim attempts because if he gets to the line, it doesn't count. But, I sure. mean, you know, I, I I do think you're right, though. I mean, he could he could get to the rim um, a little bit more. Uh, that percentage will probably go down from 75%, but it's probably worth it um, if, if he gets there more. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Keegan Murray has been interesting to watch. He's got a nice in-between game, and he's shooting the ball really well from deep. 40% above uh, on above the break threes is nothing to sneeze at, and he his shot just looks good, too. Um, I think he usually looks like he's in the right spots at the right time. I like his instincts for the game. He's able to keep the ball moving, makes good cuts, kind of fits into that system we were talking about. He takes care of the ball really well, too. I think he fights uh, defensively and projects well, but sometimes... Um, he has some miscommunications I see on defense. I saw a miscommunication the other day where um, they, he uh, had trouble on a switch, and that led to a Lowry market in three against the Jazz. They played the Jazz twice recently, both really fun games. Um, the first time, uh, Kevin Herter had a really nice three to ice the game, win the game. I think they were actually down two. Yeah, they are down two, and Kevin Herter won the game. And Keegan Murray made a really good play. Um Harrison Barnes got an offensive rebound and made an, a, a pass on a kickout, and Keegan Murray could have shot it, but really quick swing to the wide-open Kevin Herter to knock down the three. And that's the kind of play that I love to see from a rookie. And Kevin uh, Keegan Murray's having uh, uh, one of the better rookie seasons in the NBA this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he is a rookie, like you said, so I, I do think those things uh, will improve. Um, anything else on the Kings? Yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't we didn't kill their defense too much as much as we could. They are twenty third in defense. Um, I like Herder's feet and activity on defense, but I think he just sometimes gets bodied a little too much. Um, I Deer- mean, they just they just don't have good defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jared Fox is, doesn't it seem like he's trying more this year. Yeah, but no, absolutely. I, I don't think he's been great though defensively because, like you said, well, I talked about I talked about it. I, what, it was our week one takeaways about how his de- defensive activity has been much. Well, it was only after one week, but I thought it was very palpable, his effort on defense. And um, that is another thing that, that Mike Brown takes really seriously. So uh, I do think it'll continue to improve, hopefully, for them. Um, but they just don't have they just don't have good defenders. So and, Yeah, and I checked the numbers. It has nothing to do with lucky opponent jump shooting. Um, yeah, so that's you can't say it's that. It's like, like you say, it's kind of just about the talent they have and, and kind of the limitations they have in terms of personnel. Um, it's interesting that the Sabonis on lineups and Fox off lineups are good, but the Fox on lineups, Sabonis off lineups are bad. I mean, it, it makes sense to me, but 
I guess, like, I don't know, if you wanted to have the dumb argument about who's the more important player on this team this year, I think I would lean Sabonis, even though Fox is having a great, great season. Nothing to take away from Fox there, but yeah, he, he's, um, yeah, he might get in the all-star conversation too. He's definitely in there. Absolutely. Um, but I have nothing else to really add on the Kings. If you have more, just keep it coming. But Yeah, well, actually, another part of Fox's impressive season is that his minutes are way down under Mike Brown this year. So That's because they're actually winning games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just playing much better in a team concept, it seems like. And, and, and like you said, give credit to Mike Brown for that. Um, yeah. It, it, I love listening to Darren Fox off the court. Um, I've always rooted for him to be a better player than he was. Um, and it seems like now he's playing a little more up to that contract. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them in the playoffs as well. Well, I mean, he's, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know this for a fact, but to me, he seems like he's the fastest player in the league. Um, so, I mean, it is really, it's really phenomenal to watch him go downhill. Um, and even just cut, like I said, him, him slashing and cutting off ball, I think has been impressive to me and not something that I really considered, before this like uh, as a part of his game so i mean he could do that more um and get more of those shots at the rim but uh i just i really like the way this team plays together on offense yeah part of that is the transition attack too they've been the fifth most efficient transition team and it just it just feels like that's been a huge part like i said fox like you said one of the fastest players in the league so so bonus can get rebounds and push um and then they can get into their dho game really quick so uh yeah uh Harrison Barnes, I think, is having a bit of a, a down season defensively. Um, offensively, I think it's felt like he's been important. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure about his efficiency, but um, it feels like feels like he's sometimes a good connecting piece there. But other yeah. than that, I, uh, that's uh, 13th in net rating for the season, and it feels like that's that's maybe about how well they've played. Maybe maybe a bit better than that, but that feels right in terms of how good this team is this year. Yeah. Um... It'd be cool if they could just stay in the playoff spots, but I, I, I do think they'll probably end up being a play-in team by the end of the season. Um, like a seven or eight seed is what I mean by play-in team. Um, that, that, we're calling those teams play-in teams, right? Yeah, I can't call them playoff teams unless they actually make the playoffs, I guess. So, okay, so yeah. So um, that would be kind of tragic if they made the play-in and didn't make the playoffs, so their streak technically stayed alive. <laughs> they finally finished in seven or eight, but yeah. just couldn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Um, You'd have to lose two games in a row for that, yeah. But, yeah. It, but I could see it happening. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, but I'm, I'm rooting for them. So, um, All right, let's move to choosing our Hidden Gem of the Week. I think we might have to change the name of Hidden Gem just to League Pass Game of the Week because um, I do think watching some of these teams is going to get tired some quickly. And there are just some bangers on League Pass this week. So, I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't want to pick... I don't know, like Timberwolves Rockets because we are ruling out all these other good games. Okay, yeah, but but maybe it's you could, it's still it's still relatively a hidden it's a hidden gem to the casual fan maybe. I'm, I'm the, the one you're thinking. What what are you thinking? Of? Well, no, I'm not I'm not even thinking of one. I mean, okay, Cleveland Denver. I would well, I want to watch that game. That's a banger, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a league pass banger. Maybe we change it to league pass banger of the week. <laughs> <laughs> league pass bop of the week. Oh, that's not better. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Friday that is happening. I mean, that would be a game that I would be the one that I'm going to watch regardless. So um, that would be a fun one. Um, there was another one I, I was. I mean, New Orleans Dallas on Saturday. Um, have we have those two teams been on on League Pass game of the week before? Uh, which ones? Sorry, Pelicans and Mavericks. Uh, I don't think on league. we've talked about both of those teams. We have had segments on both of those teams, but I don't think we've ever had them on on the yeah on the segment. Kings Lakers could be interesting, but King- I, I feel like I kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of into your, the first idea. Cleveland oh, Denver. Are you are you <laughs> the Cleveland Denver? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cleveland Denver. Yeah, we, I mean we talked about the Timberwolves and the Thunder for like 15 minutes at the beginning. of this No, show, we haven't so. talked about Denver, and they're number one in the West. Yeah, we have talked about Denver. Have we? Yeah. Why do I not remember? It, it was when they were kind of uneven. I think it was like the second episode of the year. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're they're looking like well, we haven't one talked the about them since. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I've been telling you off, off, I, off mic. That's what I'm looking for. 
But I mean, I think I think Jokic is my MVP so far this year. But that that might have changed in the last couple of weeks with how well Luca's playing. But um, are there any good Matt? Yeah, well, yeah, KD too. But I think the most impressive thing so far with this podcast is that we haven't talked about the Celtics yet. Yeah, I mean, we just don't like the Celtics. <laughs> I, I, there might be a slight bit of bias in that. No, but it feels like whatever it feels like whenever we're about to record a podcast, they like lose a couple games, and I wanted to like strike it while it was. We hot. don't talk about the Celtics, Knicks, or Lakers on this podcast. It's, except well, except we, we just, have done segments on those teams. Yeah, I know. We, I, I literally don't think we've ever done a, a segment on the Celtics in the history of Clear Out. <laughs> all right but well, so so maybe that that's coming next is what i'm trying to say well next well yeah, yeah. all right let's go with nuggets um let's go with nuggets calves on friday january 6th at what time is it at um 9 p.m eastern time um so friday january 6th on league pass cleveland cavaliers versus denver nuggets that will be our league pass banger of the week um, for next week and we'll talk about that the next time we record if you do have any thoughts on that game before we record or any questions about it or any other questions in general you can email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at clearoutpod also make sure you rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast it really does help us out share it with your friends share it with your co-workers you know, we just have it on in the middle of your break room and see, see what people think <laughs> at work. Uh, but we do really appreciate your support. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys next time for the next episode of Clear Out.